Welcome back to G5 Football Daily, the audio accompaniment to our coverage of Group of Five football on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Network. Joe Londrigan here with you as always. Going to dive into some Week 12 results, preview Week 13. Uh, not going to talk about the college football playoff rankings that came out this week uh, due to time constraints. We're recording it beforehand, uh, but we'll definitely talk about that on the site itself. Uh, joining me is someone you've heard plenty of uh, plenty of times on this episode, as well as the podcast we did together for a number of years. Uh, Mr. Eric Henry of Two Four Seven Sports and Horns Two Four Seven, more specifically. Eric, let's uh, let's dive into it. How you doing? Today? Man, let's dive into it, Joe. This season has kind of raced past us. I mean, you know, yes, the grind of covering a major college football team at times makes it feels like it, it's it's a it's a drag. But then you you look up and it's like, man, we are already nearly at season's end. Uh, just wow, we've had a, certainly been the eventful group of five season, as we'll talk about. Plenty of you know some surprises and some teams fight for bowl eligibility. So ready to dive into it another week, sir. Yeah, man. The uh, first one we should probably get into is uh, Tulane's big win over FAU last week. Uh, Michael Pratt setting the career record for passing yardage at Tulane in win. Uh, first win for Tulane in about a month where they didn't win by one score. So kind of a step up in terms of performance for them. Still the front runner for the New Year's Six in my mind. However, they've got to get through the AAC first, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but, you know, kind of a step down in terms of the running game for them. But frankly, the defense, I think, was a step up from what we've seen in the last month or so from them. Uh, they hold FAU to uh, kind of a down day for them. Obviously, they're missing some pieces, too. Um, but anytime you can hold an opponent to only eight points, 32 yards on the ground, and uh, three for 14 on third down, I'd say it's a pretty good day. Joe, despite the fact that this FAU team, four and seven, looks like they are going to miss a bowl, not look like they are going to miss a bowl for the second consecutive year, still a lot of talented guys on that roster. You take a look Dwight Toombs, uh, Smoke Mungin, our guy Big Slim, one of our favorites, Joe Evan Anderson, the big defensive tackle, you know, Jalen Wester, uh, Jaden Williams, and, you know, they have a, a Blitnikoff Award in my mind, should have been a semifinalist. I voted for him in LeJounte Wester. Really just, you know, the quarterback situation, Daniel Richardson from Central Michigan, obviously had to take over for Casey Thompson, and that's kind of, you know, hampered them a little bit. But all in all, I'm just saying that to make the point that Tulane going on the road, and we'll see what happens with the CFP rankings. I hope that it isn't held against them that they had another, quote unquote, um, maybe not as decisive of a, of a win as you would have liked for a team that's nine and one now, 10 and one over a team that was four and six, now four and seven. But again, FAU, a really solid team in terms of players they are just banged up at some spots. Michael Pratt, 21 and 28 for 252, three touchdowns, a really solid day. Makai Hughes, uh, you know, again, that's about what you'd expect on the run, uh, on the run front. But again, when you're facing a guy like an Evan Anderson, who, who knows what big slim is listed at these days, but he is still a big man. I don't care what, the listed weight set. So all in all, Joe, uh, again, another solid performance of Tulane. As I've said the past few weeks, there is value in winning in my mind. There is absolute value in survive and advance, but we don't know what this committee is uh, going to think. Um, I'll reference the day job, you know, Steve Sarkeesian even said that he doesn't know what the committee is going to think in, in reference to, you know, his number seven Longhorn. So certainly don't know what they're going to think as far as Tulane's concerned. All they can do is keep winning, and they have managed to do that again. 
You mentioned Lejante Wester as a Boletnikov candidate. I'll uh, I'll give you another one as a segue into the next game we're going to talk about. UNLV's Ricky White Jr. out of Marietta, Georgia. He's averaging 17 yards per catch this season, and he gets over 1,100 yards uh, on the year in this past game. He's got 70 catches. He, he's playing out of control, and he was a big part of of why UNLV took first place in the Mountain West Conference this past week with that 31 to 27 win over Air Force in Colorado Springs. They shut out the Falcons in the second half, Eric. We know how electric this UNLV offense can be when they move the ball so quickly. Jade Maeva plays to his ability, which, you know, he had some some bad moments throughout this game, but largely Got it done with uh, two touchdown passes over 300 yards through the air. Ricky White, as I mentioned, played really well uh, all day. But, you know, I guess, you know, two things for me that were the big takeaways. Air Force, my goodness, have they fallen off in the last, you know, three weeks. Ever since that Army game, just really have not been able to put it together. And, I, you know, that's that's a whole separate conversation. But this UNLV team now in the driver's seat of the Mountain West heading into the last week of the regular season and then – likely go into the uh, league championship game unless something, you know, really wild happens in this last week here. Joe, we have talked about the football renaissance in Sin City uh, quite a few times on this podcast. So, you know, we won't belabor the point too much as far as Barry Odom and, you know, making that hire look like an excellent move. One of the funniest quotes, Joe, I, I saw this, I went back and looked at uh, uh, Ricky White. He was asked, you know, a difference between come from uh, uh, Marietta to Vegas, and he said quite simply, you know, Vegas Strip in Marietta. <laughs> it just was a funny line the way he said it, kind of caught me off guard. He's a guy who is, it's funny, Joe, he's had kind of a, a interesting journey. He's born in Dayton, goes to high school in, in Marietta, uh, ends up at Michigan State, and then UNLV. So certainly making his way across the good old United States of America, but one of the top receivers in the nation. He also was someone who I voted for in uh, to make a Bolitnikoff semifinalist. Really disappointed he didn't make the semifinals list, Joe, because again, okay, if you you, you want to penalize LeJounte Westbrook, he works out of the slot and hasn't had some of the big, um, big play touchdowns, big play receptions, um, per se. Ricky White's been a big play guy all year. Eight grass for 169 yards, 21 uh, yards per catch. And it's been that way all year. I mean, 70 grass for 1,189 yards and 17 yards per reception. So, Disappointment that he doesn't get the nod to go on. But yeah, man, I mean, just got to be really impressed with what Barry Odom's done with that team. Jaden Maeva really looked like they have a, you know, a stud at quarterback. And that's nice, you know, a hometown guy there from Vegas. And again, I mean, it's always felt like one way or another, Joe, that was a program that was just bubbling up and really just kind of, for whatever reason, couldn't put it all together. They've managed to this year. And now looking to see if they can finish the job and potentially win a Mountain West title. In order to win that Mountain West title, they obviously have to win the Mountain West title game. Now that they're in first place, if the Rebels beat San Jose State at home this weekend, San Jose State is 5-2 and two in conference play. So if UNLV beats San Jose State at home, then UNLV will host the winner between Air Force and Boise State, who play each other this week. So plenty to watch in the Mountain West this weekend. We'll get back to Boise State in a minute, but Eric... Let's talk about Conference USA for a second. Every time I look at this New Mexico State team and I think they have, you know, reached the pinnacle of the success that they can achieve this season, they prove me wrong. Already have a berth in the CUSA championship game, nine and three, 
by far, in my opinion, the best team this program has had in the modern era. You'd have to go back all the way to the early 60s to find a, a more you know consistently winning New Mexico State team. This weekend, they go into Jordan-Hare Stadium and not just beat the Auburn Tigers, they dominated. Like, they led this game for pretty much all but the opening five minutes. You know, as soon as they got the ball, they score. Auburn comes back, scores, ties it up. New Mexico State then scored, and then they led the entire rest of the game. Like, it just – it wasn't even close. They won the line of scrimmage so consistently. They played exactly the way that they really needed to. Jerry Kill looks so happy after the game. I think he was even, like, stunned, speechless, like – it it would be it would be great to see Jerry Kill get serious consideration for FBS Coach of the Year, considering how he took this program just from just such a sorry state to now they have their first ever win over a Power Five program and their first in twenty eight attempts, and they're playing for a conference title in two weeks. Joe, enough cannot be said about the job that Jerry Kill has done in Las Cruces. Again, we have got to you know get a member of that program on because we talked about an earlier podcast ever since that FIU game last year, in which they were a heavily favored team and come playing against a team and FIU team that lost 73 to zero the week prior. Uh, I think that record now is what like 16 and four, 16 and five since that game. I mean, they have been an outstanding team to now head to Auburn, walk out of there with a check that Jerry kill joked that uh, all the players want that one point uh, five or uh, I think it was one point five million dollars, one point seven. Um, I had to go back and look, but one point um, eight. I thought one, one point one of us got got that number right. It's one one point eight five. There we go. Thank you, Joe. The joke that the, the players all want that to be nil money. <laughs> but Jerry Kill also said that hey, you know, he is certainly thrilled where this program is, but it, it, this is just a starting point. It's just. It, in order for this thing to keep building, it's going to take you know an investment all the way across the board. Uh, I, I, to be completely frank with you, you know, I didn't spend that much time in New Mexico to really get a feel for what the alumni base is and, and, and things are. I, I did see, a, you know, a crowd, Joe, when I was there, it, it feels like there's a nice little hometown crowd. I don't know about the alumni base. I don't know, you know, with them being right there near El Paso, obviously in Las Cruces, but a 45 minute drive from El Paso. I don't know um, if there's a fair amount of players who make the trip up, oh, fair amount of uh, fans who make the trip over from Texas. I, I, I don't know what that fan base and that alumni base looks like but i would love to see if they can really keep this thing going because guess what joe now is going to be the time you can hide it a little bit last year this year back-to-back goal games teams especially you're going upset in auburn teams are going to look at a star thomas you know who's a junior uh and say hey can can we add him on a roster diego pavia they're going to look at him and say hey he's a guy who you know a junior from albuquerque Maybe he's someone who, who could be an, an, of interest of our program and, and, and guys on, on defense, you know, and, and others. So uh, we saw them get hit last year. The, the cornerback, uh, the kid whose name is escaping me right now, Cyrus Dumas, um, end up leaving that program. Can they, Joe, it's not about can you keep all your players in this day and age? You're going to lose some, but can you keep enough while building on what you have to keep that thing going? I'll be really interested to see how things. Pan out in the offseason, but in the time being, let's really enjoy the fact that they're qualified for a Conference USA title game, and they're going to head to Lynchburg, and, and that's going to be a hell of a game. That it will. It'll be interesting to see if anybody shows uh, Jerry Kill a big payday as well, but that's a whole other conversation, and you know, it seems like he's, he's happier than he has been in quite a while in Las Cruces in 
southeast New Mexico there. Um, one more game from last week that I think is worth touching on, Eric. Boise State getting to bowl eligibility under interim head coach Spencer Danielson. You know, it, it kind of fitting that their defensive coordinator uh, takes over for the fired Andy Avalos in this game, and they just absolutely crush Utah State, 45-10. to 10. Uh, Got a lot of their offensive playmakers back as well, but, you know, you look at the defense, what was it? Yeah, nine sacks. For this uh, for this Boise State team, Utah State had to shuffle through quarterbacks because they just kept taking such such a beating, and then thirteen total tackles for a loss. Really, just could not let them get anything going offensively. The Aggies, and even when they got close to the red zone, had a few uh, key turnovers that just really let them put this thing out of reach pretty early. So. You know, things are certainly looking up, uh, you know, worth noting Maddox Matson done for the year. We already knew that. But, you know, Taylor Green in his first game where he kind of had to shoulder, you know, 100 percent of the quarterback duties himself, aside from uh, the last you know couple of drives where, you know, it was garbage time. Looked pretty solid. Eight completions on uh, 17 attempts, two touchdown passes, though. Also got him, uh, got his legs going a little bit, as is his specialty. And then when this Boise State offense has both George Helani and Ashton Genty healthy, they're darn near unstoppable. Three rushing touchdowns and 263 rushing yards just between those two guys. Yeah, Joe, not too much more to add there. I think the big thing is really looking to see for me just how this team finishes the year, right? Because they're going to get Air Force at home. And as you touched on earlier in this podcast, Falcons are really struggling. So I think it'd be a nice feather in the cap, a nice little momentum for Boise State, given everything uh, they've kind of been through this year in the fire of Andy Avalos. If they can pick up that seventh win at home against an Air Force team that, you know, again, was prior to the last few weeks, one of the top teams in the Mountain West, that could put them some nice little momentum heading into next season, maybe kind of stabilize the ship, prevent, you know, some players who may consider entering the transfer portal and say, hey, you know, we got things maybe back in a, Maybe I won't say back where they they should be, but at least at bare minimum, you keep some players interested in wondering who the next head coach is and and, and want to compete there at Boise. So, um, you know, don't want to put too much in that game, but it'd be a nice feather in the cap if they can keep things heading in that direction. One last thought exercise on the subject of Boise State for you, Eric. Say, you know, Boise State beats Air Force this weekend, which I believe they will, and then they go into the Mountain West title game and they upset this, you know, UNLV you know, dream season that uh, they got going and they win the Mountain West title. At that point, do you seriously consider Spencer Danielson for the full-time head coach position? That's it's a hell of a question. I had not even, even consider it. Wow. 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 Um, man, I, I, long dramatic pauses are not great for an auditory uh, podcast. But, you know, <laughs> That's what it is. Form, but Man, um, come back to me on that one because my gut says no. I feel like it's too small of a sample size. And quite frankly, again, when, when you didn't coach the majority of the season, I, I don't feel like that's indicative. But, I mean, the only reason I, it gives me a little bit of pause is because we know that Boise State, they've tended to stay within you know their own family. Um, so I'm going to say push for now. I'll come back to that next week. Fair enough. Makes sense. I, I think at that point, then we should probably start uh, talking about next week. Um, I don't think there's too many other, you know, bits and bobs of, of news that we need to get into. Only G5 semifinalist for the Bros Award is defensive coordinator for James Madison, Bryant Haynes. Uh, well-deserved honor there. They've been phenomenal all year. 
uh, Jeff Trailer clearly getting consideration for the uh, Texas A&M job. He's, uh, you know, I, I don't blame him for keeping the focus on his uh, team that had a great little senior day against South Florida this past week. Uh, but he's he's dodging questions uh, about that job like uh, bullets in the matrix for sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, App State retiring the jersey of the great Armonte Edwards this weekend. Tune in for that as they face Georgia Southern, which we'll talk about more in a little bit. Eric, games to look forward to. Obviously, I think the big one that a lot of people are going to be tuning into on Black Friday, 3.30 Eastern, Tulane hosting UTSA. Tulane wins, I, which is the prediction, I think. But if Tulane wins, they host the AAC championship game in New Orleans there. And then UTSA, if they win, then I believe they host. No, I'm sorry. It would it, the UTSA hosting would ultimately come down to what SMU does. But if Tulane wins, they'll host. If UTSA wins, then they secure a berth in the title game, and they go to their third conference championship game in three years, which is a remarkable achievement. But and then obviously the other team in the ASA championship game will come down to what SMU does against Navy. But Tulane, they've got a fight ahead of them for this UTSA team who has just gotten better and better and better each week following that slow start to the season now that they look relatively healthy. Joe, I, I can't lie. This is the one that gives me pause for Tulane. This is the one that gives me pause. Whenever that guy who wouldn't shock me 10 years from now if he's the mayor of San Antonio, the literal mayor, because he's the de facto mayor now, but the literal mayor of San Antonio, Frank Harris, he, and okay, I get it. It was against a USF team. Clearly still, you know, um, they're, they're fighting for six wins, but, you know, not the USF of old, uh, a much better team, but 500 and something totally ours from Frank Harris. They were firing all cylinders. They're going to head to New Orleans looking to prove that they deserve to be in that consideration for, you know, best team in the American and have a chance to play for a conference title. They're what be the third time in three years. Remember, serves me correct um, between conference USA and the American. It's a tough one. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if I want to make a prediction just yet, um, but put to you this way, it would not shock me if UTSA heads to Yelman and, and picks up a victory. Frank Harris, one of the most universally loved guys in G5, and you kind of did it a little bit there, Eric. One of my favorite little nuances about how people talk about Frank Harris, especially amongst these you know East Texas guys like Jeff Trailer and, and GJ Kenny and people that have come from that tree, when they talk about Frank Harris – He's just that guy or him. You know what I mean? Like, I think Trailer got asked a question after this game, like, what did you think of your team? And he was just like, yeah, he was back there, you know, hitting throws. And, like, people just know who he's talking about. When G.J. Kenny was asked about preparing for UTSA this year, he's like, anytime you're you're going up against that guy, you got to prepare for, you know, this stuff. And it's just – it's funny to me that he has that big of a – you know, presence. Like he's just, people love him that much. Like it's him and Victor Wimbanyana in San Antonio. Right? <laughs> the jerseys that little kids want to wear, that sort of thing. No, no doubt about it, Joe. <laughs> it's very cool to see. Uh, my next game that uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, I, I mentioned 
um, out in the Sun Belt. We got App State hosting Georgia Southern. App State had that huge win over James Madison this past uh, week, upset the Dukes in Harrisonburg with the game day crowd there and everything. Um, now that App State is seven and four, if they get a win and Coastal Carolina goes down against the Dukes uh, this week, and App State is back in the title game against Troy, which is, I think, is a result that not many of us would have predicted about three weeks ago. But Sean Clark has his team fighting, playing that scrappy brand of football that we've come to expect. They've been in so many close games this year. It's kind of gone, you know, 50-50 in terms of the overall results, but they've won just enough to be in this position, and they got to win, you know, one more against one of their oldest rivals at home where we know they play very well in order to have a chance at another conference title. Joe, and again, I won't add too much to this one expected. Except to say that I am expecting a dogfight. You talked about it. Georgia Southern. Clay Helton certainly looking to get his Georgia Southern Eagles to 7-5 and five on the year. And what a better way to do it than new acquaintances with App State. Um, it's a really tough one. I really like the football that uh, Joey Aguilar's been playing there as far as a quarterback is concerned. Again, I think the big thing you talked about it, right? I mean, they really are coming off a great win. Uh, confidence building win in my mind over James Madison. I am leaning towards App State, but again, it's, it's, I think that one's going to be a dogfight, Joe. It's two completely different playing styles, for sure. It's a matter of can App State keep Davis Brin and that Georgia Southern offense off the field, and when they are on the field, can they make you know Davis Brin get careless, as we've seen him do at certain points this year. Uh, but then, Eric, to close out, my games to watch. We've talked about the Mountain West quite a bit. Uh, just in the last 25 minutes or so here, we mentioned Boise State's hosting Air Force. That one's huge for the Broncos' uh, title hopes here. UNLV going against a uh, San Jose State team that, you know, still in the hunt technically, I guess. They would need a lot to go their way, but, you know, it, it, it would be kind of a crazy cascade of, of circumstances in order for them to get there. It, but if they beat UNLV, that would be create chaos but frankly i don't think unlv will let that happen considering a the level of play we've seen from them this season and what's at stake in terms of something that they haven't achieved ever as a member of the mountain west and something they haven't achieved as a program since the 1980s but another game in the mountain west that i think is really catching my eye is the last one chronologically this weekend it's hawaii hosting Colorado State at uh, – it's crazy late. I forget what time it actually is. Um, but, yeah, it's, it starts at like 11 p.m. Uh, East Coast time. Um, CSU minus five and a half. If the Rams get a win, they're bowl eligible. If Hawaii wins, they're five and eight to end the year. Obviously not bowl eligible, but five and eight would be a considerable step up based on, A, what they accomplished last year in year one under Timmy Chang, and would be a considerable surpassing of expectations for them this year. I believe their win total was only three and a half, which they've already beat with the four wins, but five wins would be a considerable sign of progress for the Rainbow Warriors, in my opinion. Yeah, no doubt about it, Joe. I mean, you know, talk about Colorado State. Jay Norvell certainly, you know, been a eventful season for his team, and they pushed Colorado to the, to the brink. You know, they wouldn't be in a position of having to 
come down to a bowl game or their bowl, their bowl eligibility heading to heading off the mainland, but definitely an interesting one there. I'm going to quickly breeze through some that I have my eye on. I'll give you a chance to pine on any of them at the end. FAU heads to Houston. Rice David face the house. Joe, it feels like whether it was our previous incarnation of the podcast or this one, we've been talking about, you know, death taxes and Mike Bloomgren fighting to get the six wins. Here they are. I mean, this is, you know, bowl, uh, Rice obviously made a bowl last year due to the, um, the fact that they're really smart. Um, essentially, is why they, they made it, um, being a five-win team. I, I, I'm not the guys that we're going to call for anyone's job, but I think we all can see at this point, if Rice doesn't get to six wins and qualify for a bowl game, there's probably going to be some evaluation of, of whether Mike Bloomgren deserves uh, another year there in Houston. And for FAU, we talked about them a little bit earlier in the podcast. And they, you know, five wins would be a nice, nice spot for them. Obviously, they, they wish that they were bowl eligible, but, uh, you know, obviously want to want to finish the, the year. Five and six obviously feels much better. Five and seven feels much better than four and eight. Uh, the other two, Joe, keep my eye on. Arkansas State, I don't know we've talked about them enough on this podcast. I may have to uh, reach out to my old buddy, Kara Ritchie, who does pregame radio and a daily radio show down there in Jonesboro. Um, the fact that this team, Joe, they're going to a bowl. Again, we have not talked about the fact that uh, where they have come from there, you know, Butch Jones, and they were a team that, quite frankly, was not predicted to, to have six wins this year nowhere near it um so the fact that they've been able to rebound and now are looking at a possible seventh win they're gonna head to marshall have to take on charles huff's team marshall's team Mar charles huff's team is favored by two and a half points rasheen ali one of the nation's top backs uh, a guy that's in those of the end zone with 14 touchdowns but again joe i just can't talk talk enough about this arkansas state team jalen rayner the true freshman a guy who you know our publication 24 7 didn't even have a profile on him up until recently. I mean, he's just that kind of, you know, under the radar leading the way there at quarterback. Really interested to see how that matchup turns out. Because, again, if they can get the seven wins, uh, that'd be really interesting. So, like I said, we have to give an old shout-out to my friend Kara Ritchie. Uh, they're 95-3, the ticket there in Jonesboro. Maybe have her on later on if they, uh, you know, get seven wins. Or maybe just bowl season in general, see where, where they are going. Then the other game, again, bowl eligibility on the line for ODU, Ricky Ronnie's club. It would be really nice for them to reach six. Given again, then losing Blake Watson and Ali Jennings and having to, you know, shuffle through quarterbacks again and where that program has been. They're favored by three. But Georgia State, you know, Sean Elliott's club, got off to a really hot start to the year. And we maybe talk about them can, being in Sunbelt Conference title game contention. They now are six and five, three and four in the Sunbelt. Like to see them. Uh, finish the season with a win, winning ways, and, and get the seven wins for a bowl as well. The team has been really talented with, you know, Marcus Carroll and Darren Granger. So those are the three I'm keeping my eye on, Joe. On the subject of Rice, you know, it Mike Bloomgren has been super nice to us uh, in the last Absolutely. several Absolutely. years. It's such a good dude. But you have to have that thought of, like, with how well they've played, specifically offensively with – the kind of, you know, throws that we've seen JT Daniels make and the injuries that he's fought through. And Luke McCaffrey is such a – he's a beast. If this Rice team can't get to six wins, then, like, what what would actually get them there? So lots to prove for the Owls in this game, as you said. Um, yeah, we, we didn't talk about Arkansas State too much. They hung 77 on Texas State last week. 
second most they've ever scored in the you know hundred or so years they've had a football team, and the most that Texas State has ever surrendered. You know, they've only surrendered more than seventy like once, and it was in like nineteen sixteen, I believe. Um, historic day for them. They just really. It was just a cascade of things going wrong for Texas State and things going right for Arkansas State. But, yeah, we, we heard from Butch Jones a little bit this week. I mean, it's a completely different team that uh, they've gotten Jonesboro this year based on how much they've grown from when he came in. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm honestly kind of speechless. I know that's kind of my job to talk, but, like, they're so good. I mean, they're not they're not great, obviously, but – Compared to where they were, they're so much right. better. It's right. really what do you call? It? It's a testament to you know maybe this this Butch Jones guy does know how to put a team together here and there. You know, um, contrary to what Tennessee fans will scream at you, but they they'll yell about anything. I think that's going to do it this week, Eric. Before I make more P five fan bases mad at us, uh, where where can people find you on the uh, social media world, Eric? I'll, I'll let you do it yourself this time. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. If you are interested in Texas football coverage or Big 12 coverage as a whole, you can find my coverage at 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports HQ, and Horns247.com. And listen, there'll be some G5 takes in there as well. You know, they, they don't mind me talking about G5 football. So you may see some takes there as well on the uh, Twitter space, but that's where you can find me. Excellent. And you can find me at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore on X, Twitter, whatever it is, as well as threads. Hopefully threads gets a little bigger, so I don't have to keep looking at Twitter nonsense. But regardless, if you want clips from the show, I've got a big backlog that I'm trying to work through and edit of clips from the show to turn into videos at G5 Football Daily on Instagram and TikTok as well. And if you're you're new to the show, you heard us talk about uh, some Boise State stuff in the last episode, which thank you, by the way, for making that one of our most downloaded episodes ever. And really making the last like three days, some of our highest trafficked um, since we've been doing this with SI. Um, really humbled and blown away by those numbers. But regardless, come on back, subscribe. Uh, just Google G5 Football Daily and you'll find all the stuff we're working on. Happy football watching, everybody. Have a great Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you soon.